Welcome back to the Hoop Scoop Media College of Basketball podcast. I think we're on episode eight by now. We've uh, been making some progress here. And, you know, this is March. It is technically February as we are recording late on February 28th. But it will be March when you read the podcast. So just um, listen to the podcast. You probably won't be reading the podcast. But, yeah, the, the best month in college basketball, the, probably the best month of the year, uh, regardless of anything, just because of the college basketball, obviously, from our perspective. Hopefully, it's your favorite month, too. But, yeah, it is it is the best month of the year, so we have a lot to talk about. The games have just been ramping up intensity-wise, all that stuff. It's all just shaped up to be a great march, and, yeah, we're here to talk about it. But before we get into the content, we have social media accounts. And we would appreciate if you would drop us a follow. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, at Hoopscoop Media. We would, yeah, we would definitely appreciate a follow if you're not already following both of those accounts. It helps uh, us get more out to the public and it will help you stay connected with the all the latest college basketball news. We'll be covering a lot of stuff regarding the transfer portal. And yeah, so. Just make sure to follow those. And so moving on, um, with the season coming to a conclusion soon, we've there's always a few programs that let go of their coaches before the season officially ends. As I know, UT Arlington did that a few weeks ago, but a high major job has opened in the last week, and that is Ole Miss. Uh, Dan, we kind of talked about the potential that Ole Miss would open last week. Just well, we, we it was inevitable that Ole Miss was going to open, but now it's officially open, open. So, um, yeah, Kermit Davis, uh, he was good at Middle Tennessee. Um, he was good his first year at Ole Miss, relatively good. He made the tournament, but it's kind of all been downhill since then. Finished with a losing record overall in his um, five or six years uh, with the Rebels. Yeah, so I guess what are your thoughts on this? Like, this was obviously going to happen, so yeah. Yeah, we saw it coming. We saw this train coming down the tracks, and I think I have to credit you because you've, before, before this dismissal by the rebels, you were you were pointing out Chris Beard. This is kind of that kind of match made in SEC heaven, and uh, it certainly seems like things could be moving that way. There's a report on si.si.com that Ole Miss's athletic director is vetting uh, Beard quote extensively, so it would it would seem that uh, Beard is going to be right up there. Uh, in in uh, in, terms, in terms of the top forces jockeying for position in this job, uh, FAU's Dusty May probably going to have his say as well. He should definitely get a chance to be in the picture. But I think that Chris Beard's pedigree and the name recognition will help a lot. Uh, so Florida Atlantic should probably be rooting for Beard. I, I well shouldn't, shouldn't probably will definitely be hoping that. Uh, Beard gets this job because we'll bring up FAU as we get to the conference tournaments, I'm sure. But it, it seems like it's either going to be either of those two for Ole Miss. 
Yeah, and another name that has been thrown around there by some insiders is former LSU coach Will Wade. That is an interesting one because, um, like he got fired just, um, I think it was just last year. Time goes by so fast, but like it seems like honestly seems like he got fired more than that. But like thinking about it, yeah, like McMahon, this is his first year at LSU. And like Will Wade, like this was a serious issue at LSU because he was fired like before the tournament. Like they didn't even let him play the season now. And then like, uh, yeah, we have to fire you. But like that just uh, concerns me a little that Ole Miss is looking to make him a candidate uh, because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of almost like we mentioned last week, the beard situation, like he's kind of cleared by the NCAA. I mean, because like the charges were dismissed, so there's nothing legally holding him back. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's the case with Wade uh, because I, I, I just don't know if you can make that move as a program knowing that he was fired last year for uh, recruiting violations, multiple serious violations. But on the other hand, Will Wade is a winner, and he's a great coach. So really just some interesting names in the mix here with you got Chris Beard, who was fired for sexual assault, or yeah, he was fired. The charges were dismissed, but that's why he was fired from Texas. You have Dusty May, who is a good coach. Um, I think we can agree on that. He's been great at Florida Atlantic this year. Um, but I've been saying this uh, multiple times. That I don't want him to take a job because he could theoretically bring everyone back from FAU besides uh, Michael Forrest, and they have a deep team. So even though Forrest is crucial, he wouldn't really be losing a ton because you just kind of get more depth. They, they just have a ton of depth, so one person going down is not like some major star player that is the only reason why their team is good. Um, yeah, and then you have, obviously, Wade. So I think if I'm all Miss, I would be looking to go towards Beard. As um, you mentioned, you would also be wanting to go that direction. Yeah, I, I think if I'm Ole Miss, I'm doing anything I can to make Beard an ex-head coach. He's a – all three guys are definitely winners, but I think Beard is the best coach out of the three. Uh, would you agree with that one? To date, I'd say I'd have to agree, but give I want, I'm, I want to see Coach May at a – P6 sometime, you know, not that I want to rush him out of a great situation because for, for the exact same reasons you mentioned. Uh, but yeah, I think maybe long-term give, give Dusty the resume building opportunities and we can have a different conversation. But as of right now, I think that's fair. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, all three are pretty phenomenal coaches in our eyes. So it's not like you'd be getting a significant drop in coaching, but I, I think we beards accomplished the most he's I mean he made a national championship at Texas Tech which I mean honestly if you look at it like I don't want to compare like Texas Tech and almost too much like he's had a fair statement like they're both like not like uh predominantly basketball schools I mean like obviously Texas Tech is kind of a basketball school now 
but like when Beard was there, like before they made national championship, like it, it's not like a like a huge dominant school in that sport. And I think Ole Miss is kind of in that same boat. I'm not saying he's going to take them to a national championship if he were to be hired there. I just think he's proven he can win and win big in situations like this. All right, so moving on, Idaho has fired Zach Claus, and I believe this firing happened like 30 minutes after uh, uh, Idaho game ended, so they did not waste any time moving on from him. Um, I really don't have to, too much to say about this. This also seemed like a firing that was just going to happen. I mean, it's Idaho. It's really not a big deal in the uh, big landscape of college basketball um it was his fourth season there he wasn't really doing a good job winning despite having some pretty good players this year such as like Isaac Jones Devontae Moffitt but like yeah I there's really not much to add on about this he not some monumental groundbreaking firing just like oh Idaho fired your coach like yeah yeah that probably seems like it should have happened so yeah, moving on from the coaching news, uh, we can talk about some transfer news. And the biggest transfer news of the week is that the Hoopscoop Media Transfer Service has officially launched this. Uh, it's a service designed for college coaches to connect with transfers to find the right fits for their teams. So if any college coaches are listening and are not aware about this service, please send us an email at hoopscoopmedia at gmail.com. Yeah, this is a very big uh, step in kind of what we're trying to do. And um, it's something for from NCAA. It is, this scouting service has been approved in accordance with NCAA bylaws, policies, and procedures. NCAA Division One basketball coaches and non-D1 coaches for that matter are permitted to describe subscribe to the scouting service. This little uh, read I that the uh, NCAA kind of wants you to put out. So we are on the list of officially um, approved scouting services. Most of you probably listening are not coaches, so um, just kind of disregard our message. If you are somehow a transfer uh, in college basketball, is listening to this then this will help you out greatly by um yeah by coaches being able to find you so moving on from that yeah if you're a coach we'd love to hear from you um and it's at a very cheap price so and, definitely and again, if you're a transfer we'd love to hear from you too so yeah yeah mm-hmm. if you're a transfer that has not already been in contact with us we would love to hear from you as well to uh help you get connected and get to uh, find more coaches i mean i know we are been we are connected with tons of transfers i don't know how many listen to the podcast i I don't know i hope some of them do (laughs) but moving on to some like actual transfer news uh involving actual like actual stuff that happened within the portal world um winston tabs he has committed to morgan state uh he was good at boston college as a fresh as a freshman, he was I mean, he was pretty solid. Um yeah, he just injuries have ruled his career, unfortunately. Um 
seems like every time he gets injured, he's just a little less of the player he used to be. And yeah, I'm I'm just really hoping he can stay healthy at Morgan State because he's a guy I like when he's healthy, but he's never been healthy outside of like his freshman year, which which he did get hurt like midseason, but he was healthy for a part of it, which I think he was pretty good that year. So yeah, if like we can see the fully healthy tabs, he could be like an all MIAC player, but I don't know, just not really betting on it anymore because. Like a lot of players say, like when they're healthy, they'll be fine. Like he's gotten injured time and time again. So unfortunate uh, path of injuries and stuff, but really hoping to see Mr. Tabs succeed at Morgan State. Um, and it's obviously still a few weeks before the D1 names start trickling in the portal, but D2 names have been popping in. Uh, the past two days pretty uh, consistently. Some names that I think you will want to be watching out for in the Division One next season are um, Elijah Hayescamp and Adam Musa, both uh, very good players that I think will translate good to the next level. Hayescamp is coming from Truman State, and Musa is coming from Black Hill State, both players that can contribute at a D1 level with their skill set. And, yeah. Going forward to some recruiting news. Ole Miss, Kermit Davis has been fired. And with that, two of their 2023 commits have asked for their release from their letter of intent. Those are Josh Hubbard and Rashad Marshall. In other recruiting news... Four-star 2024, A.J. Swinton. He has committed to the Hokies of Virginia Tech. And I think that wraps up our uh, news and transfer recruiting section. So moving on, let's talk about some actual stuff. We will have a big segment in conference tournaments later in this episode. But we're just going to run through some the major storylines and game action that's have happened in the last week or so. So the first one I want to touch on is Marquette. They have officially won the Big East regular season. And this is this is just amazing to see how Shaka Smart has just kind of like turned around his career. Like I think he was always a very good coach. He just Texas just wasn't a fit for him. Like he was amazing at VCU. Texas he was he was okay. Like he had his ups he certainly has downs too, but it's not like he was just a total embarrassment. Like they kind of parted ways after he was a three seed. Obviously it was a disappointing loss to Abilene Christian in the tournament, but like, it's not like he was a complete disaster there, but at Marquette, like he can, he can do what he wants to do, which at Texas, he cannot really do what he wanted to do. So at Marquette, he's just thriving. And this was a team that was projected ninth preseason and just to make matters worse there, like Zach Reitzel, who was the star NAI transfer NAI player of the year, he's been out like the whole season with an injury who was someone I thought could like potentially be their best player going into the season. So that just, just shows how good Tyler Cook has been amazing. Cam Jones has been amazing. And like all the other guys have been very solid too, like Omax, uh, Oso, that's all those guys. Uh, so Dan, what are your thoughts like, on just how Marquette has been able to do this this season. You touched on Wrightsill. He's only played 
three games this season. And all the while, Marquette has just been right there in the upper half of the Big East with your Creighton Blue Jays and with Xavier. And I, I, I think back to Shaka, of course, he was with VCU and VCU CAA days. And Shaka Smart, I think we get to see him once again thriving at a basketball school. You know, Texas has so much money for athletics that can be it can be an everything school, but culturally it's always going to be football. And I'm not saying that makes or breaks every head basketball coach's tenure at a at a school, but uh Shaka Smart certainly like you alluded to it. I thought I interpreted you as kind of referring to the fact that Coach Smart can really get a lot of keys to a lot for basketball, you know, and really, and that's really what Marquette is, is, is doing is basketball. Obviously needless to say that and to outperform a really tight top of the conference. I mean, I didn't even mention UConn to either uh, Cam Jones. I, I think he's, you know, among players, of course, leading the way in scoring, just about 15 points a game. Uh, Kolek was a, was an all American for me way back at Ocho episodes ago. Uh, and and it's 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 a lineup of at minimum all Big East players. Like I, I really do think the starting five is shakes out that way. Not that every single player will actually end up on the first or second team or anything like that. But it's 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 a team that I, I you know I'm the only one who's still at least with the ESPN scoreboard organizing with the AP top twenty five. But the number six ranked team in the country after being picked ninth in the in the Big East yeah, that that's... is. That is a huge credit. That's you know, it's a huge credit to the coach of the year campaign for uh, Shaka. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I was just not in a Marquette at all going into season. I just didn't think they were that talented. Which, like, I still don't know if they're like amazing, like extremely talented. But like, they've found he's just found how to play basketball with this group of guys. Like, and going back to you were talking about Kolek, like obviously when we did our All American teams. Like you definitely pick some names that were a little more out there and probably not actually going to be on the the final AP All American teams, but like look like looking at now, like Kolek, like will he actually be an All American? I don't know, but like that's not even like that's not like a crazy take to say he could be. Like he's an, he is an amazing passer. He's definitely improved improved uh, drastically on his like scoring shooting ability from this year compared to last year. And like, yeah, I think he's he's been the key, he's been the key to success. I mean, obviously Shaka has been a huge key, but like on court, Kolek has just. I mean, he was an amazing passer last year as well, but he has transformed his whole offensive game. And just combined with Cam Jones, Cam Jones is a guy I really liked last year. Now he is kind of getting to star with uh, no Justin Lewis in the fold, and yeah, this is another thing. Like they lost their best player to the uh, early exit professional and Justin Lewis and they're like so much better. And I don't think he was even, I don't think he was like a negative for them last year. Like he's not a player that like brought their team down. It's just, this has just been a phenomenal season for the golden Eagles. And like already I've been hearing some buzz that like Ooh, next season, who's going to be number one. Could it be Marquette? Uh-huh. And I mean, I mean, I'm not I'm not sure if I fully agree with that yet, like not knowing anything. But like you look at it like I think everyone in their team could come back and I don't see why anyone on the team would not come back. Like where are any of these players going to go? Is Are there any NBA caliber players in this team? Probably not. 
Um, nah, I, I don't know if there are. Like, yeah, maybe not this offseason. Maybe yeah. like Omax could find a career down the road, but I don't know if he's like ready necessarily. I think his skill set just translates relatively well. But like, I don't see why anyone would transfer either. Like, uh, obviously, the, maybe the some resume guys... this season for the goal. Yeah, the the resume this season is so strong. That too, like it, they 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 have so much they can build on going into next season if they bring back the full, the full core. It, look at look at even the, the losses. I mean, I I point out quality losses sometimes. I just want to see how if they did fall, if a team did fall against its top competition, like how how were those games played? Five point loss at Purdue. Took Wisconsin to overtime, lost in double overtime at Providence, but most recently really put together a stretch that impressed me, beating Xavier and Creighton back to back, Creighton on the road. So I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I was I was just struck by it's it's the team that I'm very much looking forward to at seed in March. Yeah. And I mean I think their AP poll ranking at six might be a bit um might be a bit higher than what the uh, selection committee will slot them in at, but like regardless of that, they'll still be like probably like a three seed, maybe even a two seed. Um, I believe they were four seed when the uh the bracket reveal was announced, but obviously there's still tons of time for uh improvement and growth between that and when the actual bracket comes out. And yeah, like the Golden Eagles, they Marquette has just done an amazing job. Got to give credit to Shaka. He should be coach of the year in the country. I I mean, you can throw like Tang in there. Tang is also definitely in the mix, but I would give to Shaka. Ed Cooley won it last year, and Shaka is doing almost the same thing this year. Same conference, but he's been doing it better. So I don't see a reason why it shouldn't go to Shaka. He's, he's just been phenomenal. Like, that's just like, I just... Yeah, it's what a season for Marquette. Any last thoughts on the Golden Eagles before we move on to that? that uh, yeah, that sums it up for me. That sums it up for me. I am I am very interested in the Big East tournament because there are a bunch of really good head coaches. I love I love if it's a Cooley versus Smart coaching final. Like there, there, I saw a Big East. I don't know if it's a Big East tournament ad or a Big East highlight package at, at halftime of some game recently and. A lot of the, a lot of it was like little clips of the coaches, you know, firing up their guys. The league is full of really good coaches, and Shaka is certainly one of them. Yeah, and speaking about the biggest tournament, like could Villanova potentially make a run? Like, um, they've been playing great basketball last week. They just won at Xavier. They killed Creighton at home. Just recently, they knocked off Seton Hall. I believe that game. Yes, that game was at Seton Hall. So that's three like. Q1 wins, I believe, in a stretch of a week. So the Wildcats will not have the resume to get in as an at-large team, but, like, I've heard some people starting to whisper about, like, them as a bid stealer, and um, I don't, I don't hate that take because, like, they're definitely a, definitely a tournament talent team, tournament, like, caliber team talent-wise. I just, yeah, just injuries and just a... They're, they're playing how they were projected to at the start of the season now, which is really nice to see. And I don't think I would have him as a bid stealer personally just because of how strong the conference is. But, like, they're definitely the caliber, like, the type of team that would be able to do that. Like, 
Yeah. What are your thoughts on Villanova's potential of being a bit sealer and just more than that, just how they've been playing the last few weeks? I wouldn't rule out a, a bid thievery situation here because Eric Dixon is, I think people are finally starting to come around him about how he's been underrated this season. Dixon just under 16 points a game, also leading the Cats in rebounds uh, per contest, just over six rebounds a game. He's getting about a half a block a game. Uh, so Eric Dixon is a great focal point, but he's being backed up with the Caleb Daniels, Cam Whitmore, and Aaron averaging in double figures, Justin Moore. These are relatively big names, but folks, I think, have bailed on them a little bit in Neptune's first season, and now everybody's starting to starting to starting to wade back into those waters and say, "Oh, okay, maybe maybe this team has found its way." And that heck, it's it basketball more than other sports, and especially college basketball, just the college aged student athletes. It's so much about having the confidence and having the team gelling. Like all these cliches apply. Like coaches will say, like it. These conference tournaments are so often can be decided by who who's actually figured it out and who's played their who's playing their best, who's just peaking at just the right time. And that can be that could be Villanova in this, in this situation. And so if that's if that if that actually can be kept up, if they can keep up this late regular season momentum, then the the record that they have overall that's gonna you know sag down there. That's that has sagged down the resume and will prevent an at large. Uh, that doesn't necessarily preclude them from going on a big tear, right? Like it, it, in reality, throw the records away because when you just watch them play, they they have the feel of the Anova swagger back. Which I'm I'm down the road in Delaware and there there's a football rivalry there. So for me to for me for me to embrace Nova, you know, and say the name Nova in a positive connotation, I mean it. I mean it when I say it. They are they are playing. Uh, I want to say lights out or at least relative to what we had seen, which was a lot of groveling and a lot of uneasiness and dissatisfaction from the fan base. I, at least from what I had kind of felt, like I said, being in the region. So this is, this has been big time, I think for just the, just folks to be a little more at ease about the future of the program under the uh, direction of Jay Wright's successor, which was always going to be such a hard act to follow. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of the, uh, another reason why they've been, so good recently, you could say, is because of Justin Moore. Justin Moore has finally kind of been able to get back into that groove and be the Justin Moore we've uh, known and seen last year. He had a big game in their win at Xavier. Um, he he didn't have a huge game scoring-wise at Creighton, but he was definitely a huge positive impact in that game. He had eight points and eight assists. And then tonight versus Seton Hall, he had 23 points, nine, nine, nine of nine from the free throw line. And yeah, he has just kind of been the player that like he was last year, which is like, that's another all big East guy. You're just like adding into the fold almost that is like kind of back to what he's been. So yeah. Villanova, they will not make tournament because of their uh, bad season leading up to uh, the recent few weeks. But I'm not I'm not crossing out a potential of a bid sealer. Um, you know, March is crazy. So you think the Big East might be too top heavy, but I mean I mean Villanova just beat Creighton and Xavier, who are two of those teams yeah. that have really been towards the top. So you you never know with yeah. March. 
and, and let's say Villanova gets help elsewhere in the bracket. Let's say there's an upset of another favorite elsewhere in the picture, and then you then the path gets a little more clear, and then all of a sudden the odds start to shift in the in the direction of their favor. So yeah, I I I'm hesitant to be too dismissive of it, but it, it does seem like okay, like on the continuum of conferences, the Big East is pretty close to the Big Twelve and Big Ten in terms of you can go down the list of of really strong teams and who are clearly in that upper half, who are clearly already safely in the at-large picture where it would take a lot for a team to really come up out of the woodwork and get it done, but it, it could be done. Yeah. Uh, definitely not crossing up the possibility of that. Moving on to some other Wildcats. We've touched on Kentucky a lot over the previous few episodes, but Kentucky, it's always a storyline when Kentucky is involved because of how historic their program is just throughout college basketball. So, we are here to declare that Kentucky is officially back. If there was any doubts about it before they are back, Calipari, I don't know what he did, but he figured out how to coach again because he did not know how to do that in the start of the season. But, like, Kentucky is a very good team again now. Like, I don't even want to say again because they were never really good this year, but, like, they are a very good team now, and, like, are looking like a team that could be very dangerous in March. Like, obviously, we talked about how last week they got that win at Mississippi State, followed up with a win over Tennessee. This week was just more of the same. They had a big win versus Auburn on Saturday. They also won at Florida midweek. Um, Yeah, and they have a big game I'm looking forward to at Arkansas, March 4th, to close out the regular season. I will be tuned in to that one because that will be a... that That'll be a real teller of where Kentucky sits because, yeah, Kentucky has figured out, like... uh Yeah, they, they just figured out how to be good again. Like, like two weeks ago, we were saying like oh, this team probably is not going to make tournament. Now we're saying there's like a seven seed, and six seed. Like, what are your thoughts on the Wildcats of Kentucky? I'm I feel foolish. I feel foolish. I don't feel foolish about still speaking in terms of UNC and that. And we were talking about having more confidence in the heels in terms of how they could make their way toward the NCAA tournament. Briefly touching on UNC, they did take out Virginia. I think you and I both both proved that correctly where we said, Hey, they, we, we kind of like North Carolina in that spot where they can, they can defeat Virginia at home when the, they really need it. And they really have to have that kind of quality win. But meanwhile, Kentucky has been <laughs> outpacing that with take advantage of opportunities against Florida and Auburn, as you touched on in the show notes and said in your preview of the segment, uh, I, I'll tell you what, my, one of my main reactions is I, I can see the logic behind sister Jean. Did you see the clip of sister Jean? She was asked about a, a March Madness pick, possibly I before did, we I did even see get that. to see the field. And I did see that. She 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 has said, "Hey, I, I I'm paraphrasing her here, but she 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 ended up rolling with Kentucky, uh, if I understood her correctly. So that 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 that's a re, that's a pick that we would have been really pulling our hair out about in the early episodes, and now it's it's a completely different story. So I guess I should learn my lesson with when you have a coach who's gonna who's who's already a Hall of Famer. And he's getting, I don't drag through the mud is too much of a dramatic and like pity seeking term. But like when he is 
going through it in terms of image and uh, everyone's leaving it, leaving him out and his program out for a down season and chalking it up to that a real down year or not sure they have it anymore or not sure the blue blood is sustainable, you know, in the future. They, there's a reminder, there's a stark reminder that it's still Kentucky and it's still, uh, despite a more competitive SEC with Tennessee and A&M and the like in Alabama, I think Kentucky is uh, is not, you know, necessarily going to just be have its heels nipped at easily. So, yeah, I, I give Cal uh, the credit because he's an easy, kind of like Jim Beheim. We enjoyed going after Jim Beheim a little bit. Coach Calipari can similarly, you know, once you're elite, uh, it's, you, it's easy to be a target of, uh, as the, I, mean, I mean, and rightfully so in some ways, in some respects, to be a target of the extra special criticism. So, uh, yeah, Kentucky has been a revelation. I, I am really really wishing I had given them more of a shot because now I'm on record from prior episodes looking pretty silly, but that's what they can do to you. That's what that kind of school can do to you. Yeah, well, I think everyone was kind of online with you was saying Kentucky was not that good this season, but they've they've just been kind of proving everyone that they really are a team to be scared of the last week or two. Yeah, they've just been playing some great basketball. And where are all the Kentucky fans that wanted to fire Calipari earlier in the season? Because yeah, he he should not leave for Texas. He should not leave for anywhere. He should not retire. He should be coming back because even though this has been like still, if you look at the season from a whole, you'd probably say it's been disappointment for Kentucky. But just like the way he's kind of brought this team back in when they were down and out, it seemed like is almost kind of been impressive. Like yeah, even I've like hated on him all season for just not adjusting to the times of college basketball but you got to give credit where credit is due here he's been he's just been leading this team back to where they were supposed to be not all the way back but like they're playing like they they've been playing like a top 10 team the past few weeks i don't think that's a crazy statement to make so yeah there's just yeah the wildcats of kentucky they are officially back. They're they're locked at the tournament at this point. There there's no further discussions about if they will miss it because it's not even gonna be close. Moving on to a team Kentucky played earlier in this season is Gonzaga, who Gonzaga at the time they killed Kentucky, which Kentucky did have some early season struggles. And Gonzaga, they beat St. Mary's on Saturday, and with that game they clinched they they clinched a share of the WCC regular season conference championship. That's their 11th straight. That's just super impressive. Uh, St. Mary's gets the one seat in the WCC tournament because of a tiebreaker. So they had the same record, 14-2, uh, and two, I want to say it was. Then they, um, then the next tiebreaker goes to common opponents. Well, the teams both lost to... Loyola Marymount. So then after that, the tiebreaker goes to, I think it's net. So St. Mary's had the slight edge in the analytical systems. So they got the one seed. But honestly, looking at the bracket, I think uh, Gonzaga's path is easier. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, 11 straight. That is crazy. Uh, my school, the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats, they just won their 10th straight regular season conference championship the other day. So I was kind of hoping for Gonzaga to lose so we would officially have the uh, longest active streak in the NCAA. 
But yeah, Gonzaga, this was not a game I ever yeah. thought they were going to lose. <laughs> you're you're going to have to wait for conference realignment, I think, or something. Maybe maybe Gonzaga. Well, who knows about Gonzaga? Wherever. Yeah, people well, are, I, I don't know. St. Mary's could be Gonzaga? good. St. Mary's could be good next year, too. I mean, I think Sachin will be back. Obviously, Mahaney, I don't see him going anywhere. So St. Mary's can still contend. Right, but I could, but for those reasons, I just see another SMC and Gonzaga tie at the top. And it, as long as the yeah. conference title counts for the streak, then the streak continues. So I don't, I don't know. I, maybe you need Gonzaga if the Pac-12 survives or Gonzaga Big 12. Well, you, you, you've seen all those things thrown around. We'll see what happens with all that stuff. But St. Mary's, I, I don't want to get too much in the conference format picks or discussion before we get to that part of the show, but. I, I am uh, very high on St. Mary's being the wet, being the last one staying in the, the West Coast. That's yeah. that's just well, that's a little preview of what's to come here in a few minutes with our conference tournaments, uh, overviews, predictions, all that stuff. But first, I believe we still have some notes to cover. Just a few more. Um, so the first thing is Indiana swept Purdue and. We don't need to go in depth about Purdue again because we've said this a million times in the podcast. They just don't have enough help outside of Edie. Lawyer and Smith are good, but they're just not good enough. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to put any blame on them because they've been phenomenal as definitely as far as freshmen go this season. But Purdue just doesn't have that like huge punch outside of Edie. We've said it like in every single podcast, so we don't need to go in depth and again. But talking about Indiana. Jalen Hood Shafino had an outstanding game. He's been very good this season. And yeah, um, Trace didn't even have a huge game. He kind of contributed um pretty solidly across the board. But yeah, Indiana, they swept Purdue in a series that as of lately, Purdue has owned in the past few years. I don't know, maybe that tide is turning. It could be. This is a big moment for IU in regional recruiting to be able to flex this for the next calendar year is a big deal. All kinds of momentum locally, certainly at the same time with Purdue being such a high profile opponent and a quality win two times now this regular season. It's very important. Uh, obviously, Big Ten tournament positioning. And then with the tournament seeding resume, that you know, when you get to the NCAAs, which is going to be a default for both of these teams. But I consider me extraordinarily impressed with the sweep because I just think by default, you know, we were pretty prepared to see Gonzaga even it up with St. Mary's in a kind of a parallel big rivalry, two heavyweights. You, you know, you would expect you'd expect in a home and home in the regular season that each school finds a way to win one of those two. But then for Indiana to deny Purdue that, it it makes me. I am, I'm going to refuse that. This is exactly you know you talked about Purdue long before they had this regular season frustrations. Saying, like, I don't know, you know, can you really put all your eggs in the Purdue basket in March because of the limitation? I I refuse. I'm not going to get caught up in individuals on Purdue and that cause and that not that they're talented. There's so so much talent, but I'm not going to let that be the reason that I pick Purdue to win the whole thing because I I know I'll get I'll get burned in like the Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight and I'll be none too pleased. Yeah, uh, yeah. Again, I'm not picking Purdue super far in my bracket. Although I definitely think they were, they will still win a few games. Obviously, there's still no stopping Yeedy really. So now they're not going to be like a super early exit, but I'm not sure if they can really contend to win. And elsewhere in the Big Ten, I'm sure you saw this. Uh, Fran McCaffrey just stared down a ref 
in their game versus Michigan State. At that point in the game, they were down 10 with around a minute left. They came back, tied that game, went to overtime, won it. And then just today, we were talking about Indiana and how they had a huge win over Purdue at Purdue. Well, Iowa just killed Indiana at Indiana. So what a win for the Hawkeyes. They just dominated a game, won by 22 points. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything to say except that Iowa might never lose again this season after Fran's iconic stare down with the ref. That that clip is frightening, but you know what? I'll I'll give I'll give I'll give Fran this. I mean, I, I was so focused on observing him complete this stare down and the referee not backing down until a little until the very end of the clip. Like I, I didn't even notice if, like the huddle. Like notice like I guess some assistants or something. Who who were the people kind of like okay okay like that's <laughs> that's <laughs> were there folks who like help like be like all right we're good now like you <laughs> could you could like I don't I don't know if, like his players saw it and were like. You know, because you as a, as a player, I think you'd like to see your coach going to bat for you, like fighting your battles for you when it comes to officiating and getting across, you know, the team's message. So I do think that uh, it can be very galvanizing. So as much as he got memed for it by everybody on Twitter, and rightfully so, I think it's going to be a great still meme for years to come. I think that in the short term, heck, yeah, let that be a little little, little micro rallying moment for Iowa. And so, on the floor tonight, I did not expect to see that coming, but neither did Indiana. Clearly, Indiana got caught looking ahead a little bit because not did not to discredit the Hawkeyes, but to throttle the Hoosiers by that some is 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 t- that that makes me want to you know certainly condemn the effort by Indiana tonight even more than salute Iowa. Not that Iowa doesn't deserve the initial praise, but my gosh, how do you have that happen at home? Is my question. Yeah, I don't know. I would just. I don't know. They've just been a completely different team since had a stare down. And the funny thing about it is McCaffrey's usually a coach that will complain to the refs like pretty outwardly. I've seen him get tossed from numerous games for doing that. And yeah, this was this this was quite the moment. And I mean, Iowa has just I don't know what about it, but Iowa like obviously they were amazing to finish that game. They killed Indiana tonight and let's see who's up on their schedule i believe they have nebraska yes they have nebraska at home to finish out the regular season nebraska is a team that has been playing good lately they did lose to michigan state tonight um but yeah i mean and then Iowa, going yeah it, it's shooting night tonight i mean over 55 percent from the field 56.5% three-point shooting percentage, 13 of 23 on three-pointers tonight at Indiana. So I, the stare down, I, they were staring down the hoop the same way they were, Fran was staring down the official. I think that's the they they, <laughs> they were seeing the hoop very clearly tonight to to shoot so well against a, a really good defense on the road. That is one way to say it. And also, um, yeah, I wonder if Iowa can potentially – uh, turn this into some tournament success, which has not been a thing that Iowa has really seen lately. So I guess I guess we'll just uh wait this one out. To see uh outside of just a uh one and a little over one game sample size. I guess we'll see how many. I guess I guess we'll see what happens with this if Iowa still continues to play this way. But moving on, we've got conference tournaments. This is March, as Rothstein loves to say. So let's get into discussion about this. 
the first uh, few have already been in progress that we're going to talk about. But the A Sun, um, this was the first conference tournament to start. Um, both games on opening night were pretty good. Obviously, you saw Bellerman hit uh almost a buzzer beater. Uh, I believe that shot went in with. 0.4 seconds on the clock to win their opening round game. And then Queens, they're in their first year in D1, and they got a win over a pretty fairly talented Florida Gulf Coast team who kind of fell off in conference play, but still a solid win. And then we've got some second round matchups tonight. I know Liberty, Darius McGee went off and they ended, ended Bellerman's hopes at another conference championship. Kennesaw State really had to battle it out as he won seed to beat Queens. They barely got it done, but yeah, what are your thoughts, or just like, who, who do you see coming away and winning this conference? Kennesaw perhaps gets the wake-up call this evening. I mean, Queens really pushed the Owls to the limit. Uh, Kennesaw's resume in the regular season suggest, would suggest that they've been pretty well uh, battle-tested and proven. I mean, winning a 15 conference games in the regular season, nothing to sneeze at. Uh, Lipscomb's a really good brand and uh, certainly a name that I'd expect to uh, be there as well, but I'm not going to allow the one point win tonight to deter me from KSU. So I will take Kennesaw state, but uh, this, it, it the ASON's already looking like one of the most fun called the a fun. Can I get dibs on that? Because uh, no, this has been fun. Like the, when, you know, opening night goes well, like when those first two games were close, I had a feeling. But when Bellarmine was get, making its way back into a, a later round, I was like, all right, well, here we go. Bellarmine ineligible due to D1 reclassification or transition up to D1. Queens the same way. Could we have those two making all this noise in the same bracket? And in a way, we almost did uh, each fell here this evening on Tuesday 28th. But uh, in the big picture, I really like how this league is composed. Kind of a fun mix of of schools. Realignment will continue to do its work on it. Uh with the departures actually of Kennesaw and Liberty for CUSA. But while Kennesaw is still around, I, I'm going to go with the Owls. They eked it out tonight, but Chris Youngblood is a really good guard at the top of their scoring. Uh, his name, he took he took matters in, the, uh, in his hands as necessary late against Queens, and I think that's going to be, it's going to carry the day for them when they really need it later in this bracket. Yeah, well... I'm going to have to disagree with you on that conference champion pick because I have the Liberty Flames. I think they are the best team in this conference. I did watch the game a few weeks ago when they went into Kennesaw and lost to Kennesaw, but I just don't see them losing to them again or whoever they may play. Otherwise, I just think, I, I mean, Darius McGee is so good. And not to discredit Chris Youngblood or Terrell Burden or because Kennesaw has some good guards, but McGee is just on a whole nother level. I think McKay has been phenomenal in his time at Liberty. He just got a huge contract extension the other day until like 2030. So, yeah, I think Liberty will pull it out. Uh, the analytics love them more than Kennesaw State um, by a, a big margin. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really love what Kennesaw State has been able to do this year. Amir Abdurrahim, he's been a phenomenal coach for the Owls, but I am going to have to go with Liberty. I just think if if you get a rematch of that late season game, I think they will win, win round two. That's perfectly sensible, very defensible. When you look at how McGee did against Kennesaw, it wasn't a matter of lack of 
lack of work from McGee. How about 43 points he had in the Flames' seven-point loss? So Kennesaw is going to have to hold him to at least half that <laughs> in a possible rematch. Uh, and, and so they'll certainly they'll certainly have their work cut out for him. I I just think uh, Ken, I do I I I do like Kennesaw. Maybe I'm maybe I'm a slightly biased <laughs> to maybe I don't want to pick Liberty. Uh, but no, I do. I do think that uh, this would be one of the best conference tournament finals across the board among mid-majors, especially if we do get it. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at other metrics in terms of team stats in the in the matchup, the Kennesaw State won 88 to 81. Uh, many of the team stats are very similar. Rebounds were a dead heat at 28 for each team. Uh, steals, Kennesaw was actually plus three in steals, but blocks were slightly in favor of Liberty. So the defenses each having their own way in ways uh, it was kind of saw plus two and turnover margin. The fouls committed, the, fa- the calls were similar, not that the crew would be the same. I, but so these teams should be destined to play a close rematch, but it will be kind of saw with the burden of it's so hard to beat a, not only a, a, a conference opponent, but a really strong conference opponent twice uh, in the span of a few weeks. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I think Kennesaw's Kennesaw could win this game, but I. I just feel more confident about picking Liberty. And who even knows if that's going to be the matchup? It could very well not be the matchup because Eastern Kentucky, they've been playing some good basketball recently. Obviously, you mentioned Lipscomb. They could also make a run there. So my prediction is Liberty. Yours is Kennesaw State. We have a lot of conferences to cover, so we will get rolling right along to the Horizon League where Antoine Davis, um, he has a chance to set the all-time scoring record on Thursday against Youngstown State. Um, I'm not sure exactly uh how far he is. I don't have the number pulled up, but he is definitely within striking distance. Um, tonight in a win over Purdue Fort Wayne, he has 38 points, so he is close to breaking the record. I think Youngstown State will win that game, and I've been honestly kind of conflicted on who I think will win a conference. Uh, I'm going with Cleveland State. Did you did you did you have anything to add? I thought I expect you to add to that at all, or do you just gonna rock with? Um, I don't know. I just kind of like I want <laughs> Youngstown State to win, but um, I don't know. I I mean, I just wanted to see them because they have an electric offense. Definitely a team I kind of want to see in March, but I feel like it get it gets boring picking chalk and all these all these uh, mid major tournaments. So I'm I I'm gonna go with. My pick is Cleveland State. I think they've been playing some good basketball recently. Um, they have some good players, including uh, Tristan Anaruna, who has played at some high major schools. He was fairly decent at those high major schools, so he's um, a definitely a very good player. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, they had and they just beat young or not just beat, but. They beat Youngstown State uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, yeah, they just they, they were pretty good down the stretch. They did they did uh, lose their finale at Milwaukee, but Milwaukee is also up there. But yeah, I I just I just think I just think Cleveland State will be the team to come out of the bracket. But yeah, I'm interested to see who you have winning the Horizon. Yeah, for me. I look I look at Youngstown State and I look at Milwaukee actually. Uh Milwaukee is a team that is first in the horizon in combined team rebounds a game. They're right up there in uh team defense, actually first in 
opponent field goal percentage, holding opponents to just over 40%. Uh, I think Milwaukee looks pretty good in terms of the offensive team stats as well. Top three in the league and team field goal percentage. And that's right behind Youngstown State. As a matter of fact, that's where Milwaukee is slotted. So I, I'm, I have this gut feeling that Milwaukee, similarly to Cleveland State, like Youngstown is a one seed that I think is cat is reachable. It, they can be caught, and it's not due to. I don't want to overly discredit Youngstown State, but uh, like I, I, I hesitate to pick Youngstown State in part because I know they're going to run into a Detroit Mercy, and I think. Detroit Mercy has the one transformational player who could change the entire conference tournament. So the, I, I look at the Paz too, right? And see like, hey, like I don't, I don't necessarily think it's outside the, the the big picture of realm of possibility that the Penguins get get knocked out. All of a sudden you see a, a 50 burger dropped. Like, I mean, in the biggest moment, right? For for a scoring record, like I, heck, it, it's, that would be, would not not be a big March moment, right? Like that just screams March. Yeah, so that, that would just sum up March. That would. Due to a variety absolutely. of circumstances, give me Milwaukee. Yeah, and Milwaukee is a team I also like as well. They had a few uh, bad losses towards the end of the regular season, which kind of uh, yeah. concerned me about them. Robert Morris still... is not, yeah, not a great 20-point no. loss, but no, but I, 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 mean, I think that's another one of those wake-ups. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I think they can still definitely, uh, I think they're still in contention to win the Horizon. Um Obviously, Bart Lundy is in his first year with the Panthers, has done an incredible job. Uh, and some of their best players, B.J. Freeman, a Juco transfer, has been very good. He's been scoring the ball a lot. Um, and then you talk about defense. They are one of the top teams in the country in blocks. And a lot of that goes out to Ahmad Rand, the Oregon State transfer, who has been a phenomenal defense, just one Horizon League player of the year defensively, not uh, overall player of the year. I believe that was uh, to Davis. Though I kind of think it should have been uh, Dwayne Cohill of Youngstown State personally. But I can't fault him for giving to Davis because of how much he scores. But that's a discussion for another day. I'm going with Cleveland State. You're going with Milwaukee. But I would not be surprised if uh, we see Youngstown State make it or maybe even Detroit Mercy. Like, I mean, I've questioned a lot over Davis's time at uh, Detroit how much he actually impacts winning. But I don't know. March March is crazy. There can be some crazy scoring outbursts out of nowhere. I I, I would not be opposing Antoine Davis in a tournament. So that that's all I'll say about this. Uh, but yes, as previously stated, we have a lot of conferences, so we will get right on moving to the Sun Belt. And I like Marshall to come out of the Sun Belt. This was a hard pick for me because I really like everything that Southern Miss has done this year including winning the conference regular season uh, title after just kind of being a terrible program last year, to be frankly honest. Um, but Marshall has Tavion Kenji, who is a, who is just amazing. But more than him, they have another uh, great guard who's putting up similar stats in the backcourt, Andrew Taylor, two different players. Um, and then Marshall also has Camden Kerfman, uh, and the other member of the backcourt who can really shoot the ball. It's, I mean, that's all he does, shoot the ball, and he's fishing at it. They have the freshman center, Micah Hang- Hangloton. Uh, I, I might be botching that name right now, but yeah, he's he's a been a rebounding machine in his first year with the Thundering Herd. 
So yeah, I think this the Sunbells have been a fun league this season now. So I would not be surprised if we get a some real shaking up of the bracket uh going forward, but I'm gonna stick with the two seed and the Marshall Thundering Herd. Although like shout out to Southern Miss, so they've been phenomenal. Jay Ladner, Felipe Hase, um Austin Crowley. Yeah. I'm going with Southern Miss. You shouted them out so many times. I know you wanted to take them. I'm going to take the number one seed in a league that you said is this as fun as this. I I it's similar to how I'm approaching the very top of the CEA a little later. I'm going to roll with the number one seed at the end. Marshall, though, to your point, I love I love a team that's leading and rebounding uh, because it's close games. Like, at some point, the best games at the end of conference tournaments, two good offenses going against, going against each other, going to the limit. Who can actually pull a board and get possession and give their own offense a chance? Uh, Marshall's number one rebounding team in the conference. Uh, so Marshall's a really good pick. Uh, I just like Southern Miss's offense. In the end, three-point field goal percentage is actually led by Louisiana, but there isn't a category in offense that Southern Miss isn't uh, at least proficient in in terms of overall strength in the conference. Um, so I, I I do I do look at that. I look at the assists, the way Southern Miss moves the ball. It's also top three in the conference. Uh, it, it is bold, I think, a little bit to put this much faith in a team that's in its first year in the league. Uh, just the basketball guys don't always look favorably upon uh, a newbie to a conference winning its league in its first year, getting that all. Yeah, well, bid, both but... uh, both Marshall and Southern Miss are in their first right. year in the conference. Right, right. Yep, good reminder for everybody there. Uh, so it goes to show you that I think the Sun Belt in realignment, honestly, is very football-driven. I was very familiar with their football approach, but uh, they needed to get better in basketball because they we need to remind ourselves that Georgia State was a 16 seed last March. So... If you, you're an FBS league to use the football terminology and you're so you have some level of autonomy there in the G5 to use that terminology and you're sending your basketball auto bid in the men's side of the 16 was not a good look. And so now they've improved that so much. The additions have been successful. You and I are each picking a new conference member to win it. So I give uh, Commissioner Keith Gill a lot of, a lot of credit because uh, this is going to be a conference tournament that could possibly be a good demonstration of how much how, how much improvement has taken place in terms of the strength of the league and on the basketball side. Yeah, I mean, just a quick note about Georgia State last year. They were kind of hyped up preseason. They kind of disappointed, and they kind of redeemed themselves. So they were probably a little better in the 16 shade quality-wise. But yes, whoever wins in the, the end, tournament. Though, it's, yeah. it's hard no, to no, you, like, you, you have a good point. It's it's a brand problem for league if your champ is the 16. I agree. Like, <laughs> and, yeah. and if it will be Marshall or Southern Miss, that's like a 12-13 seed team. So, yeah. And like obviously you mentioned like the football aspect of the Sun Belt. Um, you obviously have James Madison who kind of joined the Sun Belt for football reasons, and they are they're kind of in the mix to win as well. I mean, I like Louisiana, I like Jordan Brown. So this is just gonna be a this is gonna be a fun one. That's all I have to say. Yeah, James Madison, I I, I probably know their roster the best of anybody in the league due to the CAA familiarity. Uh, so the team that really just wasn't healthy and at the end of that CAA uh, tenure, of course, didn't even have the chance to participate in the CAA tournament uh, last time around. Uh, but to Kyle Molson's an older guy, Vado Morris is a really well-known scorer for them. Uh, maybe they don't really, ha- I don't know that necessarily have the star power to beat star- Southern Miss. I, I, I do think Southern Miss, I like even more, a touch more than Marshall, but 
if JMU were in the final or if they were in the semis, all they had to do is take the one. I believe JMU has a double buy. I, I should have it in front of they do have the double buy though into the quarters. So it's certainly a situation where they can they can make themselves at home too. Again, another first year member in the conference who's well well positioned in basketball. Yeah. Well the Sun Belt, more like the fun belt, but we will move on to a conference that I don't have much to say about this. The Patriot Colgate. Like Colgate it seems like they always win it. They are a phenomenal shooting team, phenomenal coach in Matt Langle, who should really get a promotion to a bigger school sometime soon. It's it shocked me that he is still at Colgate, which I mean Colgate fans, Colgate fans are not complaining about that. But yeah, they they shoot the ball very good. They are leading the country in three-point percentage. They're also up there in two-point percentage. Yeah, they they are good. Tucker Richardson's a very good player. Then uh, probably their best player. Uh, and then they have a freshman point guard whose name is Braden Smith, who is maybe the second-best freshman point guard named Braden Smith in college basketball, but he's a very good player as well. He has been... Yeah, like he's also obviously, honestly, Braden Smith and Braden Smith are pretty similar players. They're point guards who uh, just control the offense, get a lot of assists. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I I'm just so confident in Colgate. Honestly, in this tournament, I'm not really gonna bother to talk about who else would win because I think there's just such a clear gap between Colgate and the second best team in. The conference, which would be um, Navy, who is who has had a good season for their for what it's worth. But you look at the conference standings: Colgate sits at seventeen and one, and Navy sits at eleven and seven. So, and then in, in second place. So, like, yeah, yeah. Col Colgate, Colgate. The Raiders are a fixture in the NCAA tournament, and I'm just going to save us our time by now. I. The Patriot League, I feel bad because the second and, th- and third place teams in the Patriot League would probably take other other leagues, other mid-majors in the region, you know, take those tournaments and, and advance well well into those as well. So I, I feel like we're shortchanging even Lehigh a little bit too. Uh, the Mountain Hawks are also at 11 and 7 in the Patriot League record, you know, right there, the Navy part of the standings. But no, it, it's, it has to be gate. It has to be. So wherever you go, go gate, as they say. That's our that's our conclusion. Yes, yeah, sure. I think yeah, Matt Langle. If you're a high major or mid plus league, hire him. He deserves it. Moving on to the Big South. Um, I have UNC Asheville winning it. Drew Pember is amazing, and another another conference that just uh was won by a big margin. I believe they won by like. Four games, maybe. Um, let me pull up the Big South bracket here. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're, you're correct. You're correct. They were out in front of uh, Longwood and Radford by that four-game margin. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think Longwood is a another contender here, but UNC Asheville kind of asserted their dominance this season. Drew Pem- Drew Pember. Drew Pember is another player that I could talk about forever. He won the. Conference player of the year, also won conference defense player of the year. He is amazing. I want to see Drew Pember in a tournament. I'm rocking with UNC Asheville. 
Yeah, just still short for me. I'm doing the same. I'm trusting the regular season results against Longwood. It was a 54 to 46, as well as a 76 to 66 win more recently at Longwood to sweep the Lancers. So I, I think we have enough of a body of work to see that Longwood just doesn't match up well enough against UNC Asheville. Now, it, to ask a team to beat a quality opponent three times in one season, to allude to that cliche for a mind-numbing second time, uh, that's not going to be a you know pushover in a possible league final. But now UNC Asheville is, uh, is, has all the lookings of, a, of an auto bid that just finishes it off. One seed to, to, to the NCAA. Yeah, well, moving on to a conference that you kind of gave a hint of who your pro- who your projected winner might be earlier, the WCC. And before we get into teams, um, I want to ask what you think about the style of bracket that kind of like basically the lower seed teams have to play like a ton of games, whereas the higher seed teams only have to play like two, like Gonzaga and St. Mary's are already in the semifinals, whereas... Uh, if Portland were to win, they would have to play one, two, three, four, five games, which unpopular opinion, but I like this format because it actually rewards teams from for doing good in the regular season, and then a lot of tournaments uh do to a lesser extent. But I I I like this. It's not as uh, dramatic, you could say, as like. But, like, it actually rewards these teams for accomplishing stuff during the regular season, so. I I understand that point of view. I I disagree in the sense that I think this is way too extreme. And I think you it's not incorrect to make the point you just said, but I think what the West Coast Conference actually desires from this, which is sensible, but I just don't like it, it rubbed in the wrong way, is the WCC basically is trying to make it the, the least likely scenario that, one of its two best teams loses before the final or doesn't make the final period, or it, it basically they're, tr- they're trying to give themselves the best chance at um, the best bids or if it's multiple bids or just ensuring that the best auto bid, the best team wins the auto bid. I, I just think that, I don't, I don't know. It just looks, feels like the conference is looking out for, I, I, I it's within its rights. It's, I, it just, it just something about it smacks to me the wrong way. Like part of the whole point of March is to have, you know, you have teams that are rewarded for their regular season performance. If you get a certain seed, you're getting it. You know, a double buy is perfectly sensible in leagues that are the leagues that are larger. And I think that's as realignment happens, we're seeing that in more in different conferences from time to time. But I don't know. I guess I I guess I sound a little too soft. But the way it looks, it just looks preposterous to me. The way it's set up, like it 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 really strikes you as wow, this is unique. Uh, and I'm not saying that it's wrong for the bottom of the bottom to, to ask to play four games, four days or five, five games, five days. That's, you know, that's not what strikes me about this. It's just that I don't think that any team should be to have to get only two wins in a conference tournament to win the whole, like I, to me, that just isn't right. But uh, in a conference that's been dominated, like the one seed, whether it's Gonzaga or St. Mary's, like at like the very top of the WCC is so elite that, like the disparity there in some ways you could maybe like say oh yeah those guys should be should have to only win two games to win their conference i i don't know it maybe i've made a very poor argument with my, <laughs> my rambling but it's 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 a little bit self-serving by the conference i think is the bigger picture like the league is hoping to reduce all risk of having an upset that like the few opportunities for an upset of the top seeds there are then it's it's more likely that those top seeds 
end up making at larges or or so on. So yeah, uh, and that I guess the more the more teams make the tournament out of the conference, the more everybody benefits. You get those distributions. You know, you want to get that that revenue, but uh, it's it's a it and it takes for the fun out of it for me. Like I want to see you know just give 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 Gonzaga a quarterfinal rather than a semifinal. Make them at least earn it. Now that you can say the regular season they've earned it too, but uh and it, so it's it's very quirky for me and it's a little it, i yeah i just not the biggest fan yeah i mean like i said from a fan's perspective i would want them to see play them and tony see them play like a lot of games but i think like from a like actual team perspective it's it's not a bad idea because it, like like i said it kind of rewards them for actually being good during the regular season and doesn't give them chance to be up so early which is a fan i'd want to see but also you have to take this in Look at this from both sides, but moving on from all the talk about the bracket, I have I I have Gonzaga winning this conference. I I wanted to say St. Mary's, but I I just I just I just see Gonzaga winning again. I think their path is easier despite being a lower seed. Not that they have much of a path to the championship, but I I I think the Santa Clara San Francisco game would be easier than a Loyola Marymount BYU. Assuming those teams would play, which isn't set in stone or whatever, but I mean, this this slightly easier game, maybe Santa Clara is kind of good though. I I love uh, Brandon Pajemski, but yeah, I'm I'm rolling with the Zags. The Zags are gonna get it done. I just think they're they've just been playing good recently, which I mean. They've had some struggles this season, but yeah, I think they're going to win. I understand that. I'm just rolling with Aiden Mahaney, who you you put me onto a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, like... I, I love Mahaney. I don't have a problem with you picking St. Mary's <laughs> at all. I think I just, this. I I'm looking forward to a possible WCC final where he goes off and wins them a title. Like I, I, I would not be opposed to that at all. <laughs> I know you're not. I, I I get your I get your predicts. So that that's I'm gonna be contrarian, you know, in that way. And yeah, that's what I'll go with. Um, I Loyola Marymount in a possible semifinal versus St. Mary's that would be very interesting. Uh, but I do think that at this point, you know, the Gales would be on high alert for LMU, right? Like LMU is not gonna be sneaking up on anybody, anybody in the, in the, in the whole field, let alone uh, the two top dogs here. So uh, that I don't necessarily think that uh, the Gales will fall victim in the semifinals, especially after having. A triple buy, a triple buy, I guess you'd call it. Now, I guess you, I really, it to me, this like double buy is what it needs to be. Like that, go back to the bracket debate real briefly. Like the, to me, it's just an extra buy situation. Like I just don't under. It's 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 a bit excessive. It just is yeah. a bit, it's like at some point, what kind of conference tournament experience is it if you play two games and cut down the nets? Like I don't know. It yeah, the, but also. To think about it, you know, from a more sympathetic perspective to the student athletes, they've grinded, they've to win like 24 plus games in the regular season. They get less wear and tear on their bodies. You know, they're not like they're probably going to the NCAA tournament. Like you may as well not put them through a blender in conference. Tournament. So I can I can see the alternate view, but I'll stand by it. I'll stand by what I was saying, which is, hey, let me see a Gonzaga versus who would you possibly have? Uh, Gonzaga versus uh, I I can't even I can't even recede this in my own I can't even do the mental math right now. Gonzaga versus like Pacific quarterfinal. Like let's just do it. Like let's just run it up. <laughs> tell tell me the TV partner wouldn't wouldn't like that. Yeah, well, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, like as I said, like as a fan's perspective, I want to see Gonzaga and St. Mary's play more games, but you have to look at it from both sides. But moving on to conferences, I'm gonna let you and take take this one out. It is the Colonial Athletic Association, the CAA. The CA is your backyard. You can lead this discussion. I'm taking Hostra. So I'm I'm not going to fall for now. Okay. Pat Kelsey just received the extension from with Charles the the raise. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yes, sir. There was a raise in there to go with his extension at College of Charleston. Kelsey is dynamic. He is he has Charleston playing. Charleston ran Stony Brook out of the building on Charleston's senior day. Uh, that was a nationally televised game that Charleston just reminded everybody that they 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 could outclass uh, anybody who was not named Hofstra on any given night in the conference. But I, Hofstra has two guards in Estrada, Aaron Estrada and Tyler Thomas, who I think will end up both being on the all-tournament team in the CEA tournament when it's all said and done. Uh, Speedy Claxton is a championship caliber coach, just like Pat Kelsey. Uh, Charleston, I think, certainly benefits from having the Kelsey news come out already and have that be clear, have that be steady. Uh, but I think Hofstra, that that program is about to earn what it earned in 2020 and just didn't get to finish off because of the pandemic and the cancellation of the tournament. Hofstra ha- has, a, I think, a bit less pressure on it, which is weird. as the number one seed in the bracket in the CEA. Hofstra has a bit less pressure because it doesn't carry the national weight of a Charleston team that had been ranked. Uh, you've touched on it as Charleston really as uber great and uber excellent as we thought perhaps when they were top 20 perhaps not you just pointed that out and I but I don't I pick Hofstra not necessarily as a detriment to Charleston or pointing out flaws in Charleston as much as saying Hofstra goes through stretches on the floor where they can actually match Charleston in offense like these are the team that can they they're not going to back down from a track meet with them but uh yeah Hofstra is the most similarly daunting team to defend as compared to Charleston. Like that, I don't, I don't, I think most CA schools can't really defend either of these teams for 40 minutes. So that's why it's going to be one of those two for me, but I like, I like the one seed Hofstra. Yeah. Well, you touched on how Kelsey got his contract extension recently and Speedy Claxton and Hofstra, Hofstra, uh, agreed to a or Claxton agreed to a multi-year extension with Hofstra. I do not believe the official details have came out on that yet, but he has received a multi-year extension. But I'm I'm going to go with Charleston here. Um, this is another one where I would have picked Hofstra and felt fine, but Charleston has been playing some very good basketball lately. I've like I've always liked Charleston this season, even when I was like almost hating on them. I don't want to say that because like I was hating on them on being 18th in the country. Like they were never 18th in the country, but they've still always been a very solid basketball team. And yes, I, I, I also uh, like Hofstra. I just like Charleston a little more. I think they get their revenge in the CAA tournament. And yeah, also a team I don't especially want to see in March as like in that 12, 13 range, maybe 12, um yeah Charleston's i think so good yeah yeah charleston's good they, and like they, they, yeah 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 like even though they they were never a top 25 team but that doesn't take away from the fact that they're still a right. very good mid-major like top 50 ish maybe the, Probably, Charleston yeah. Hofstra CA title game would would be the best conference title game that the league has seen since 
it had VCU and George Mason in the league because Absolutely. Charleston runs the floor and Charleston gets its offense going in the span of as a play-by-play broadcaster on radio. I can't even I can't even get my words out. I don't think because the Cougars doesn't matter who gets the rebound. They're pushing it. That guy becomes the point guard. So that's what I would watch for. If you watch the CAA tournament, watch the semifinals and the finals that Charleston will shortly be in against maybe that final night against Hofstra. Uh, Charleston's going to be running the tempo like like you haven't seen. <laughs> yeah, and moving on to our next conference is the Missouri Valley Arch Madness, as it is called. That is a tournament that I, I – not not this year, but one year I will definitely be going to. Um, not 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 a f- very far trip away. It's in St. Louis, uh, hence the Arch Arch Madness. So I will be. That's that's definitely on my bucket list uh, when I graduate college. So, moving on from uh, just the high, just the Arch Madness uh, in general, I have Drake uh, winning this. They did lose the other day to Bradley in a game that uh determined the regular season conference championship title. But I think uh Drake gets their redemption in the conference tournament. Um I I, I just love this roster. I was able to see it in person this year when they took on Mississippi State and Lincoln and actually won that game against the Mississippi State team who was top fifteen in the country at the time. Tucker DeVries is a he he would he would be a he was like a top one hundred recruit if his dad was not a coach he would not be anywhere near Drake Roman Penn is a great uh he's just a true point guard which is perfect for a guy like DeVries um just just fits in very well and yeah I think Drake is still the best team in the conference um. Even though they lost to Bradley the other day, they played Bradley a little uh, like a month and a half ago at home and killed them. So I think that's just like a home situation. Um, I guess both both teams will be bringing lots of fans to Arch Madness, but I think Drake is just a better team in this situation. Um, I'm going to Drake Dogs as well. I'm going to Drake Dogs as well. Arch Madness is one of my favorites. Uh, Every time we get to this time of year, it's a this is a really good one. I like that the the final always gets. I believe it'll be on. Should be on CBS again this year. I, I believe it normally is. Yes, and that's yeah. Sunday. Yeah, it, n- yeah, next Sunday. It's one earlier. Uh, finals. Yes, always a much must watch game. There's been some classics. Did last year's game get into it, overtime? I don't think. I don't know if it went to overtime, but I know it was close. It like Drake might have been down by a bunch and came back at the end. Loyola. One, but yes, I th- I think that's what happened. But um, and then I remember I I remember a few years ago, uh, West Washburn uh, of Northern Iowa hit a buzzer beater that like bounced off the back yeah. rim, went up and in. I don't know if you remember that. That was like seven years ago or whatever. But, but that was absurd. Yes. That, so that that that's moving on, on a loop from, every time people get yes, in the arena. There. That that was a good one. And then I think that was your. That not to go off on too much of a tangent here, but then Northern Iowa they hit a buzzer beater half quarter against Texas in the first round of the tournament. Then next game they blew, they completely just folded against Texas A and M in the yeah. final like minute. <laughs> so that lives in infamy. That lives yeah. in infamy for quite sure. the that... stretch for the Panthers. 
that like um, minute that 20 year. second video yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that's not yeah. the great yeah buzzer slide. beater buzzer beater and then short collapse so right. um yes but going back to this year i think drake is just so talented i think and you see you got to give credit to the job that brian wardle has done this year with bradley bradley's on a 10 game yeah. win streak they they've been great this year despite losing Terry Roberts, who was a phenomenal player to the high major ranks. But I think Drake just simply out-talents his team, and DeVries is a very good coach as well. Like, um, obviously, I'm a huge Crane fan. He's a former assistant. When that time is that McDermott uh, decides to stop coaching, whether it'll probably be his retirement, I would not mind at all if DeVries were hired at uh, Creighton. So, yeah, um, that would – yeah, Drake is going to be my pick there. But you still, still got to give a shout-out to Bradley. I feel like not that many people have talked about how amazing of a season they've had, especially playing amazing lately. Yeah, yeah. If this were – if we lived in the world of the expanded NCAA tournament and we were talking about – not necessarily the 90 teams, but even whatever expanded number you want to pick out of a hat, then I, I would not be dismissive of the way Bradley could play uh, in the NCAA tournament if it fixed the the flaws that caused it to lose by that value, that that margin against Drake in their first matchup. Because it, if let's say if Bradley were in the tournament, they would need to uh, certainly level. They'd have to come to, come to play a little bit better than falling by that margin against Drake. Not that Drake isn't very strong, but that's that's who you're going to see in, in, the, in the NCAA. So... Uh, yeah, I, I think that Bradley gets a lot of credit. And in the meantime, the NIT, don't don't sleep. Don't sleep. Yes. So moving on to the NEC, and honestly, I could care less about this term, and if we're just being completely honest here. Well, come, come uh, on, man. Okay. Like, yeah, do the NEC the N- like that? It's, ter- it's a terrible conference. It's just and, – and the thing about it is the one seed in the conference tournament is Merrimack, who is not eligible – for the NCAA tournament, yeah, and then Stone, Stonehill was not even eligible for the NEC tournament for some reason. I don't know how that works out, but they were tied for second in the regular season standings. Um, you know, I kind of want to see uh St. Francis win just because Cohen is a player that is he is far and away uh the best player in this conference. I think uh Josh Cohen. So obviously uh you mentioned him way uh, long ago on your yep. uh so yeah, I, I just want to yep. see him play in March. Um I, I, so yep, that's I, gonna I'd be what that. I'm going for. I, I picked Sacred Heart though. And because you and but because you said oh, I shouldn't even have to justify that, like ah, oh, I picked Sacred Heart. But no, I I mean th- these teams, especially without the eligibility of Merrimack. The remaining schools who are actually in this field are so nip and tuck to each other that yeah, I, I went with I went with Sacred Heart because the NEC is perfect place for a first four like when I tell you like very like very back end of the first four kind of game because you you could easily end up with a team who's like five hundred winning this thing. Yeah, um, whoever wins this conference honestly will be a playing game. They might get destroyed in the playing game. So I mean, no, no hate to this conference, but like, there's, it's just not. This is might have been one of the worst years a conference has had, like ever. They're they're gonna be stronger when Merrimack is actually 
eligible. And the Merrimack football is going to be interesting a little bit too, not, not to uh, get into my FCS tangents, but um, no, I, I think that uh, you could even see the NEC getting the news a little bit in a couple of days. Whenever, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, there might be, I'm not totally sure yet. There could be some NEC. There could be any NEC added once again, division two ranks, but I'm, I'm not clear on that. The NEC will continue to evolve. They got work to do. Um, but once they get their membership, everybody's playing the tournament, then we can check back in on them and really take, take, take a serious temperature on can they be a better presence in Northeast college basketball? Not going to be the Big East, not going to be the A-10, of course, but, you know, there's 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 talent that's hidden there. Uh, and, of course, Cohen's one of them. Yeah, Cohen was co-player of the year, but uh, Jordan Minor is on Mary Actually, he's not eligible for the tournament. Yeah, I love Cohen. I think, uh, yeah, he's definitely a player that I would not mind seeing in March and would maybe make a 16-seed playing game a little more interesting. So, yeah, that's why I'm going with uh, St. Francis of Pennsylvania. But at the same time, it would not surprise me if Mary Mack just wins this tournament and then Fairleigh Dickinson gets a bid. Who Fairleigh Dickinson, in their own right, uh, head coach Tobin Anderson, his first season in D1 coaching after moving up from D2, has had a solid season. Um, but, yeah, th- there's really no need to talk about NEC any longer. It's just It's just been a down year for the conference, especially with, Bryant leaving, which really hurts them. Oh yeah, we know all about that. We know all about Bryant, our guy, our our guy, Coach Grasso. Yeah, it has not been a very good year for Bryant. Honestly. Yeah, the American um, East is a different, different beast, which we'll we'll get around to. Yeah. Um. I, will we get around to it? We we might get around to it next week. It's always kind of a later conference. That that's what I was referring to. <laughs> so, but yeah. yes, that will be a uh, something that we discuss next week. But yeah, just just uh yeah, Bryant has a ton of talent. Has not really lived up to that. But moving forward, I'm trying to. Is the Southland bracket out yet? I don't know if I can even find it. Um, but um, let me see. I don't know that the Southland. Oh wait. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't think it has been released yet. I th- I think there still might be some games in the regular season to go, but I think this the conference tournament, conference final, is next Wednesday or Tuesday. So I thought we would talk about it now. Yeah, the teams all still have. A game left, so. Um, but still, we can just talk about who we think will win this, as we kind of know what the bracket will look like, and uh, for that reason, I am rolling with Texas A and M Corpus Christi, and under uh, head coach Steve Lutz in his second year, I think he will get to his second NCAA tournament. Um, Northwestern State's also in the mix, um, but yeah, I think the Islanders. We'll get it done once again. I took Northwestern State. Uh, I, I think that the possible Northwestern State Corpus Christi game can be a really good one. Uh, DeMarcus Sharp is the star guard for Northwestern State. He's averaging touch under 20 points a game. That's top 50 in the country. Uh, he's just about five assists a game as well. So I trust him scoring and facilitating. Uh, it's three double-digit scores, uh, two above 15 when you add in uh, Jamonte Black. Uh, and the, the Javante Black, he's a senior to go along with 
uh, Sharp, who's also senior. So these are guys who, you know, and they, those, they, those they, are both guys. Just not to cut you off, but those yeah. are both guys that head coach Corey Gibson. He brought them from Missouri State. Yeah, uh, that's what I was gonna. Just, yeah. This one, yeah, but yeah, he, that's what I was he, about to say. They're class. They're the classmates of the same year, and they obviously are guys who have continuity to head coach. They followed him to this spot. This is this is all going according to plan in that way. Um, so I, I I think that that's going to be something that they can really not the, exploit the wrong term because it's there it's to their benefit. They're going to lean on it uh, in March uh, in a possible matchup with Corpus Christi. Uh, Corpus Christi, it's so easy to picture them in the first four too. So it's hard to pick against it's hard to pick against them. Um, but I, I'm I'm going to roll with this. I think it's just one of those little March stories we're going to get. We're going to get the culmination of head coach bringing along these two guys, getting them through uh, from from MSU, and uh, it all ends up in the March March Madness for those guys. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any problem with that pick either. Uh, I was uh, also considering picking uh, Northwestern State. Um, yeah, they've obviously had a great season. Uh, not even their top two scores, but their top three scores. Uh, Isaac Haney, who is their third leading scorer, also a uh, Missouri State transfer that came along for the ride with Gibson. Um, so yeah, but I I just uh obviously uh the Islanders uh, with Lutz getting there last year, I think it also helps. Um, just that they've been there before. So that certainly does not hurt. Um, moving on to the Summit League, and I just have two words for this: Oral Roberts. Yeah, give me O R U. Uh, I it's it's Oral Roberts era for sure, uh, and it's gotta be tough to stomach for South Dakota State, who's so often been uh, very strong as well. But Oral Roberts is in another stratosphere. They're gonna push thirty wins overall in the season, so that is yes. outrageous. Yes, the summit has been pretty bad this year, and Oral Roberts has been amazing. So, with those things combined, I will be tremendously surprised and disappointed if Oral Roberts does not walk away with the bid. I think, like th- this team is so much better than the team that made the Sweet Sixteen. Like Ace Smith is out; he's very good. You have Van over in the mix, who's just. Very interesting player sitting at like seven five or however tall he is, and you have like Isaac McBride, former high major guy there, who I really like. Uh, and then you just have some solid players uh, that can shoot the ball. Misses Ace misses team, but it's not just him. Like these other guys are still solid players. So yeah, I I don't really think there's even a competitor. Uh, South Dakota State maybe uh, Zeke Mayo is definitely a really good player. But I just don't think they're like even close to the same level. Like you look at uh the Ken Palm standings or the uh, Ken Palm ratings for this conference, or Robert six at uh sixty first in South Dakota State is second at hundred fifty seventh, and it's actually uh smaller than I thought it was. But yeah, or Roberts did not lose a single game in conference play. They have a nation's longest winning streak right now, sits at fourteen games. Yeah, I I just don't see any possibility where they don't come home with the Summit League uh, championship, which is played at um, Sioux Falls that at the uh, Pentagon. That is another uh, yep. conference tournament I will likely be seeing uh, at, at some point with the uh, proximity. 
no, without a doubt. And this feels like the best. I really do think Oral Roberts is probably the best bet on the board here. I a miss is a right like you have a star you can trust. The league is down. South Dakota State isn't as potent. Yeah, I I, I think this is the best move. It, I, we're, we we have to have the pretty high level rank of confidence in this one. Yes. Uh, and moving on to our next conference, which is the Big Sky, and Eastern Washington, who is who had been amazing. They did lose their final two games of the season, which they did not lose for like three months before that. So that's uh definitely uh something. And they are the one seed. So I but I'm going with the two seed Montana State here. Montana State made it last year, and I think with mm-hmm. a combination, I mean, they, they beat Eastern Washington the final game of the season. I believe that game was at Eastern Washington, so I, I, I really like Montana State. I mean, I still like Eastern Washington. Like, I'm not just going to count them completely out, but, like, Raekwon Bat- Battle, Jabril Bello, uh, like, Darius Brown has been a solid passer uh Cis man for the Bobcats. So, yeah, I'm going with Montana State. Can't uh, really go too much against Eastern Washington. I think they're still definitely in the mix, but Montana State is my pick. Nice pick. I looked a lot at the Bobcats. Uh, I'm going to not jump off the Eastern Washington train. It's not a runaway train. Uh, Montana State's a quality team, and that can be a quality loss, you know, five-point spread. Uh, certainly not ideal to have it can come at the right the tail end of the regular season. Uh, the loss before at Idaho State. That, that's what I'm a little more concerned about. Not the greatest, uh, but I do think that to have that happen, final, I, like that could just be – I just think there's a little bit of a regression to the mean happening there in a, like road conference games, regardless of who you're running into, even if it's a sub-500 team, there's going to – be really hard to not slip up in at least once uh you don't write a complete you don't write it completely off but uh eastern washington is didn't really good do it just didn't do a good job on the road that day 19 turnovers committed so that to be minus eight in turnover margin is a good way to lose on the road or in, in any venue uh just didn't have a just had a pretty ho-hum day shooting by eastern washington's expectations so i think eastern washington will use the back end of this regular season to snap out of it I'm going to basically make the reverse claim of what you would be logically led to believe, which is that they're skidding, that it's kind of falling off the tracks a little bit. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go to kind of in that way. I'm going to go ahead with the direction of, hey, this is a team that's body of work suggests that it's going to get its act together and be able to have the focus to advance to that game against Montana State, where it puts it back together in the final. Yeah, and potentially those losses could have been a positive in the long run for the Eagles. Like, it helps the players and the team realize that, like, we are not unbeatable. We will not just run through the conference tournament like they have uh, done a lot of the regular season and maybe as a wake-up call to – and that's still a very dangerous team. Eastern Washington, the one thing I really like about them is that their whole starting lineup is, like, 6'6 or taller. Like – they definitely like a team that could cause some matchup problems for even teams if they were to make the tournament due to their uh, size, especially at the guard position. But yeah, um, I'm definitely not out on Eastern Washington yet. I'm just kind of in on Montana State. 
especially the last game of the regular season kind of shifted me that way. Um, but yeah. And let's see who, who else is, I mean, I don't know. It's probably like a two team race. I think those are my two um, for me. Montana's yep. solid. Uh, Weber State's solid. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's really a two team race there, but it's it's March. Anything can happen. Moving on, uh, to the SoCon, the Southern Conference, and this has to be the year Furman gets it done. It seems like they came up short year after year. I think this is year they will get it done. I want to bring myself to go with you on this. This is me in real time trying to get behind Furman. Everything would suggest that, yes, this is it. Samford is calling my name, too, for whatever reason, partially because of an unwillingness to stick with Furman. But I think the smart play here is probably Furman. I think Furman... uh, Mike, yeah, Mike Bothwell, probably yes. the best, going to be the best scorer and the on the floor in a final in a, in a final with Stanford. But there's also a recent result to go with against Stanford. Like I, I now I just use Eastern Washington's recent loss to to oh, spin into a positive. But the fact that the Paladins beat Stanford by 93 to 79 was the final with a Bothwell dropping 35. That, uh, that J- Jalen uh, Slauson is another player I really like on Furman. Yeah. Those those two yeah. are. Yeah, no, those two it's are not, those two are good right. players. It's not just Mike, but I I look at Mike the way he played against the team that I was considering. Yeah, he he is really good. So. Yeah, like so it's it's gonna be a situation where I'm going to say the Dins set it all aside. Don't make it overly complicated. Uh, yeah, it's it's Furman was able to shoot fifty percent from three against the Sanford team. That I I really was thinking about picking. So I'm gonna talk myself off that ledge and just roll with the Bros and Purple. Yeah, I just, I just hope they can, um, finally win. Sake, right? They've been they've been I mean they've been coming up short every year. Last year was really something with uh, David Jean Baptiste hitting that crazy shot for Chattanooga to send them to March. And Furman, Fer- this is the year Furman will get their revenge. And from all the other years, they will they will get revenge from those two. They've had some very good teams came up short. That will change, I hope, because Furman is a team that I really want to see in March, probably more than like Samford, even though Samford has been a very good this season. Furman is just a team that can really compete at a higher level in March, I believe. So moving on to our last conference that we're going to talk about, and this will also be the, I believe, yeah, it's always the first conference final, which is the OVC, the Ohio Valley. And this year, I, I really don't care about it that much. Not that it's there's anything wrong with it, but, like, it's always so fun to see, like, Murray State Belmont, like, as the first conference championship. Well, now it's going to be, like, I don't know. Like, it, it, those teams are not around anymore, so, like, Instead of Murray State Belmont, we're gonna get like, um, like Tennessee Tech and Southeast Missouri State or something. And yeah, I mean, like Morehead, Morehead. Yeah, yeah. I, I I like Morehead to win it. Um, honestly. <laughs> there you go. Um, but it, it just doesn't have the same 
hype to it, the game, um, because no Murray State, no Belmont, but Moorhead is, they're definitely a very solid team, and even though they'll probably be like a 16 team if they make it, I, I still relatively like this team. Uh, Mark Freeman has had a good year. Uh, Alex Gross, the NAIA transfer, is someone I like. Um, yeah, I, I think this is the year they finally win. I think they, they won it two years ago. I believe they, they all the time because it was all it was all the uh, middle schoolers talking about Moorhead and Oral Roberts at the, in the oh, same yeah, tournament. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> so you're I remember, right. I remember that. <laughs> I, yes, but I think they go uh, back again. And yeah, yeah. yeah the, the game doesn't have the same appeal to it. But I think more Moorhead's still a fine team. Like no Janai Broom, but. I mean, and who has been showing out at Auburn, honestly, even though Auburn's kind of been struggling. Um, but, yes. And, I mean, I, honestly, that just kind of goes show that, like, there are guys in this league that can compete at mm-hmm. uh, high majors. I mean, obviously, Broom was, like, a little – he is an athletic specimen. So, maybe that that same thing, like, not all those players will would translate to a high major – the same, but like that, that just goes to show you just, just a little tangent there. That like there are some gems in the mid to low major world, but yeah, you, you really can't pick against uh Moorhead here, in my opinion. I mean, there, there are some other good teams. Uh, Tennessee Tech, I believe, has been playing good lately. Um, well, maybe not, uh, they've been fine. For some reason, I thought they had been winning like a ton of games lately. Um, I, I would even say Tennessee but, State, you know, could could get music yeah. Tennessee State's a team that I think State. has they. I think they have a lot of talent personally. Um, Junior Clay is a very yeah. solid player. Um, but yeah, this 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 is another conference that honestly kind of sucks. But Morehead <laughs> State is just kind of the best team, and they're I mean they're they're still like were considerably worse in the past few Morehead teams, but. I, I think they're good enough. They they, they should be um sufficient to be the presumptive favorite. Yes. Uh, but really in the in the in the first round, I I'm I am looking forward to getting to see Lindenwood in Southern Indiana, similarly to Merrimack. You know, I just want to want to be able to see these reclassifying schools, these transitions up to Division One, like checking in on their progress and seeing if they can be a little bit chaotic in the conference tournaments, yes. kind of like Bellarmine. So uh, I don't there know. There will if be something to watch. Indiana really profile is that, but uh, it'll be there will it'll be, be something good to see to them involved. Southern Indiana is a good team. Lindenwood, not as much, but I think Southern Indiana can generally sort of go on a run. Maybe they have some players. Uh, Jacob Plakovich, like, is up there in the country in rebounding per game. They're yeah. a good team. USI yeah. has a has a has a gettable yes. matchup with SIU Edwardsville there in round one. Yes. So SIU Edwardsville is not a bad team either. I know they struggled a lot down the season. But they had their highs at um points. They beat St. Louis season. I really like Rayshon Taylor. So I don't know. Just a two I point could... spread there. So Vegas, Vegas sees it close, or at least trying to yes. try to get your better. Yeah, yeah better I, I think that, I think that'll be uh, as I think that'll be as good of a game as a Ohio Valley <laughs> first round game can be. <laughs> oh wow, she's ringing ringing praise continues. Right? <laughs> Dang, we're gonna have a hard time getting the, any OVC people on our on our show, man. If we yeah, can't, well, it's just not the same conference as it used to be. But no, this is true. This is true. And with the 
membership changes, we'll have to see who who steps up, right, to fill that void of uh, the Murray and the Belmont combo. Yes. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that, those were all the conferences that we had on our plans to discuss. The rest we will talk about next week because, uh, I mean, we don't really want to talk about conferences two weeks in advance because the bracket's not out. Obviously, you saw the bracket was not out for the Southland, but we just kind of made our predictions based on what we had as, I don't know if we'll be, we might, let's see, uh, let me check the schedule because I think for the Southland, like, it might have been one of the ones that had the championship on next Wednesday, which would theoretically be after we podcast another time. But I didn't want to just like podcast before the championship and like knowing who's going to be in it. Um, Southland, Southland's on Tuesday. So, yeah. So, yeah. We just kind of have to work with what we did. And I mean, we kind of know what the bracket's going to look like for the most part there. But yeah, I mean, just looking at my uh bracket cheat cheat sheet that I the conference tournament cheat sheet that I found, I think we knocked out all the conferences that were necessary to knock out um before next week's podcast. So I mean, is, is that a podcast? That is a heck of a podcast to ring in March March first. Welcome to March. Yeah, Let's well, we before before we get off, can we get an update on your intramural basketball uh, oh. career? Oh no! Well, yes. Um, actually, it's good that I get this in because game two is on March second, late night primetime slot, March second. Um, I, I am uh my team's captain. I I arranged the team. I signed a free agent or two as well to address team needs right before the season opener. We fell at our season opener. We trailed by nine at the half. Um. It got it got a little away from our team. Uh, we ended up falling, uh, sixty five thirty eight. I believe was the final. Um, and, and so, uh, we we actually really we we again we were down nine at the half. We had a very competitive game. I didn't think our heart was really there at the end. Uh, we allowed the other team's three point shooting to kind of demoralize us a little bit. Uh, and so I'm looking for just a better um uh like morale at the end of a game coming this week when we have to play the defending league champions, which is probably going to be. Uh, a, a stiff test for us to put it in a PR friendly way to on this podcast. So yeah, I, that, those are my comments. I personally collected two rebounds, and uh, yeah, I did, I got did you the score? line. I I I did not record a point in the contest due to my role. I'm like a uh, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a probably the seventh man in the rotation a little bit here. So uh, I not that's really self assigned because we're 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 a player led team. So yeah, you're, you're uh, just I, kind I, of the uh, brains behind the operation. Yeah, I'm kind of a little bit of a, a scrappy, small, under undersized defender, uh, who's looking to pass it. And then if I if I'm really open enough in the right situation, I'll let you know when I finally connect. But uh, I I'm much better in practice, so that that's my we'll key. we'll, that's my we'll be waiting uh, for you to score your uh, first points. Hopefully, well, I hope yeah. I hope you have like virtual flowers or congratulatory to send <laughs> to send me uh, when I, when that does happen. Hopefully, that happens before the end of the. Uh, podcast season my gosh yeah, hopefully because uh i think this podcast will continue to roll on throughout the off season oh, so oh, no ho- hopefully hopefully you hopefully you score uh <laughs> how many how many how many games is the season well it's a four game regular season but if we turn things around which i'm very confident in my guys then we could end up in the in the playoff bracket and see how things shake out okay well i am interested to hear updates on uh 
If you can finally score your first uh, points of uh, the season, uh, you say finally. Okay. It, we've done well, one well. game. The game flow didn't really fit. Mm-hmm. I, I got to the I got to the free throw line and I I, I didn't follow my execution. That that's the, my, my only biggest regret. But other than that, though, yeah, uh, well. I feel alright. Yeah, well, we will be. Everyone will be eagerly anticipating an update from you on that next week, but. Yeah. So, any any more things we need to touch on before we uh, publish this podcast? Yeah, just to one more reminder listeners? about the transfer service, a uh, transfer portal service. Yes. Uh, it's going to be where I'm. I appreciate you, Austin. You know, spearheading that in a lot of ways, and it's going to be a, a really good. I think a really good winner for uh, mutually beneficial to a lot of different parties. So let's uh, let's get it running. It's uh, it's going to be good to have an NCA approved outlet like that on site. Absolutely. So yep. Uh, it is March on the Eastern uh, time zone. The board coast time world. It is. Um, Ross seen as uh, his countdown has finally ended. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's for the last two days, like every hour. I think like the last like 50 hours or whatever. He's been every hour. He's been posting like 50 hours to March, 10 hours to March. And... You know, and the good thing is we, I mean, it's Finally. fun seeing those tweets, but like uh, when I, because I, I, I have tweet notifications turned on for him because he breaks a ton of news. So like yeah. I wake up to like seven, like seven notifications from when I was sleeping, like mm-hmm. 24 hours until March, 23 hours until March, 22. <laughs> this is March. We will have a great week of college basketball, conference tournaments, everything. We hope you have a great time watching those games. Until next week.